spent most of the day uh, on the return.org. And I, and I got to tell you, like, if you missed it, you didn't have to miss it because it's still there. You can go and watch the recording. And I, Meg was out of town this weekend and, and she was asking me, so how was it? And I'm like, Meg, I would watch the whole day all over again. Like, it was that good. It was just so good. So if you would, I'll give you a challenge. There was something yesterday from 11 to 12. So you can go on, uh, not the Friday night, but the Saturday. And there was a Saturday night program as well. Saturday, 11 to 12, Jonathan Kahn was giving a word for America. And he was explaining in the Jewish calendar what's significant about the time that we live in. And then he prayed into some things like it's worth going and looking at because this is a day and this is an hour like we've never seen before. It it was just incredible to see all of the, the Christians praying not only on the mall, but the tens of millions dialing in like me from my, from my family room, watching it on TV. I had it on my phone and, and in my ears as I'm you know, working in the yard. Just so many people were, were together praying yesterday. It was, it was just a, a wonderful time of repentance, of humbling ourselves and praying for God to move in this land and, and in our world today and praying for revival. You know, and, and so much of what we've shared here, I heard yesterday, right? Revival starts with us. It doesn't start with some mysterious people out there. It starts in the hearts of believers. So this morning we're starting a series, and it's called Looking Up, God's Design for Tough Times. And, you know, I mentioned last week that there was a buzzword I felt for 2020. Do you remember what that buzzword was? Unprecedented. Thank you, Mike. Yeah, so doesn't it seem like all we hear today is about how this is unprecedented and this is unprecedented? I'm like, oh, my gosh. I don't want unprecedented anymore. I kind of was, was fine with ordinary. I was fine with normal. Like, can we just go back to that? Like, I'm, I'm ready. How about you? Um, you know, I, I remember shortly after the shutdown, right? I was working from home. I wasn't leaving my house. I was doing what everybody else did. And like the only, sane, the only thing that kept me sane at times was just going for a run to, to get out of the house because I, I wasn't going, I wasn't driving anywhere, right? So I'd go for a run, maybe midday, end of the day. And, you know, I've never seen so many people walk in my neighborhood. I live on a circle and like it was just, it was a racetrack of all these people that I'd never, like, where did they come from? Are these my neighbors? Like, I swear that they were just like coming from, from outside the neighborhood just to walk my neighborhood or something. But the end of a run, I, I happened to see a neighbor I haven't seen in years, right? Because he's never been out, and, I, and, and I've never seen him walk by my house, but he's walking by my house, and I'm like, hey, Ed, how you doing? And he's like, well, you know, this is my first pandemic, so I'm just starting to get used to it, you know? And, and like, his dry humor just caught me a little bit off guard. My first pandemic. <laughs> and I'm like, I hope we don't have more of these really now. But like it, it is a first for all of us. None of us live during the, hopefully none of us, well, maybe Jerry, I don't know. <laughs> no, not even Jerry was alive during the last pandemic. But it seems like every month, every week, there's something more unprecedented. So, so what is God's design for the tough times? And I've titled my message, Enough of the Bad News, because you know what, frankly, I'm tired of hearing all the stuff that's going on. I, I want to I understand what does the Bible have to say about this time? Because the Bible is actually very encouraging as we, as we look in, look into what it has to say. You know, so in this time of we're wearing masks and we're feeling weary, anybody feeling weary? Right? Remote learning. Pray for our teachers. Pray for the students. Like that is such a hard thing to do. Working remotely, like there's, there's people that I was talking to some of my friends at Intel. They haven't been to work in, in, in the office 
since February, and they're telling them not until June of 2021 are they going to open the office back up again. I'm like, oh my gosh, you guys are working? That's crazy to, to consider that they're working remote for that long. So this morning, I want to infuse us with an attitude of faith. Not, not my faith, it's faith that I see in the Bible, right? This morning, I want us to know that God is still on the throne, that he's still working, that he's in this, that he's with us, and he's for us, amen? So I believe God wants us to stay positive, and we need to fight for faith. And we're going to start this morning by reading Hebrews 12, 1 to 3. And it says this, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he's seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. Father God, we come to you in the name of Jesus today. Lord, I thank you that your word is living, it's active, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And God, I ask today that you would take your word and apply it to our heart in a way that only your spirit can do. Lord, we open up our ears to you, we open up our eyes to you, that we may see what your spirit is saying to us in this day, in this hour. Lord, and we ask that you move in your power. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So where do we want to be? Right, what do we see that, that God is saying here? Right, we, we see that God is saying a number of things, and let's just start and, and take it one by one. Right, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses, right, whenever I see a therefore in the Bible, I got to think, what is it there for? Right, so it starts off in Hebrews 12, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a huge cloud of witnesses, what's the therefore? The therefore is referring back to chapter 11. And if you've, read, if you've ever read chapter 11, it talks about a lot of different people in, in chapter 11 that, that uh, are, are men and women of faith, right? They're, they're, let's see, we've got Noah, we've got Abraham, we've got Sarah, we've got Moses' parents. Imagine what it's like to be the parent of Moses, knowing that you're supposed to kill all babies under five years old and like, you're not. You're not obeying the law of the land. And, and then you, you give up your little one. You put them in the reeds of the river. And you say, God, have your way. Right? That's the faith of Moses. They didn't know what was going to happen. They didn't know how Moses would play into all of history. But like people of faith in, in chapter 11. And then it goes on. We've got Rahab the prostitute in the walls of Jericho. Right, God, you would choose to use, why didn't you choose to use one of the ministers of the time? Or, or a good, no, God chose to use a prostitute in the walls of Jericho to, to help the people out. We've got all the prophets that were there in the Old Testament. Some of them, it says, they endured intense physical torture and persecution. And Hebrews eleven thirty five says this, because they placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. This is the cloud of witnesses that's watching you and me. And it's kind of like God is saying, okay, if, if, they can, if they can hold on to their faith and they can believe, like, come on, what you guys are dealing with, it's no problem. You can do it too, right? That's the therefore that, that we're finding here. So what's the goal? Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a huge cloud of witnesses uh, to this life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. For what reason? that we might run with endurance the race that, set, that God has set before us. Now, I know a little bit about running. I've entered a number of foot races in my time, right? 
endurance is not just a physical. Like you got to train your body, but endurance isn't just physical. It is so mental. But you know what? The endurance that it's talking about here in Hebrews isn't just physical and mental. It's spiritual. Because we're all in a battle. And, and so many times as Christians, we forget that we're in a battle. And, and we try to fight with the physical. Maybe we try to fight with the mental like we got to control our thoughts and it's our willpower. No, it's spiritual, people. It's spiritual for us to say, God, what are you doing? Open up my eyes to what you're doing today. Now, there's a line here. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Why? Why is that in there? Right? It's, it's in there because it matters to running this race with endurance. Right? If, you, if you're running out of breath and, and you're, you're finding yourself weary in the fight, there could be a reason, there could be a clue right here that there's some things that are easily tripping you up. There's some weights on you. You've got to let these weights go off of you. So, so let's look at this for a minute. And I'm calling it sweatpants on a long-distance runner. Right? Have you ever watched a marathon and seen someone in really baggy, cozy, like comfy sweats? No, they're not in their, they're not in their family room in a winter, on a winter night. They're trying to run a race, and they've got like the least, the lightest weight shorts, right? Maybe if it's cold, they got tights on, something that's going to cling. But no one wears, you don't ever find a long-distance runner wearing sweats. Why? It's going to slow them down. Worse, like the rubbing and the chafing, oh my gosh, like I can't even imagine. It would be brutal. It would just be brutal. But sometimes as believers, that's what we do. We've got these sins. We've got these weights. It's like, it's like sweatpants on a long-distance runner. It's crazy. Why do we do that? So what would some of those weights be? Some of those weights that we so easily, we, we trip on them. If, if it's easy, we're doing it often, right? We're, we're just falling on these things. Maybe it's friends that aren't committed to the race. You know, when I, when I, was, when I was training for a race, it, it wouldn't help me out if I'm hanging around people that are like, why are you going for a run today? Just relax. Take, take a load off your feet. Like, you don't need to put in the miles. That would not help me if, if I was surrounding myself with friends that weren't also trying to run. But that's why I was running with my daughter, with my son, and we were texting and encouraging each other every day. Did you do your run? Did you, like, you have to be around people. That's why small groups is so important. You got to be around people that are also running the same race. Now, don't get me wrong. I had a lot of friends that weren't runners, and they're great friends. But you know what? I need some friends that are also running the race with me. Amen? Right? So, so that's why we're in small groups. It, it can help us. There's certain activities that you can't do when you're running a race. Right? My son, when he was training in cross country, he wouldn't drink soda at all for all across countries because you know he, he found that soda the sugar in soda just causes his body to react in a different way and, and he, his training wasn't as useful if he was drinking soda versus not drinking soda so now make the analogy some of us are going through life and we're doing stuff that like soda it's not so bad like it we, we could do this it's maybe it's not uh, profitable it's just permissible but I can still do it right there's nothing wrong in what I'm doing yeah, but is it really helping you run the race with endurance? Maybe you should think about, okay, God, are, are there some things you want me to fast from in this time that I might run a little stronger, that I might run with a little more perseverance? And, and just take, it, take, take some stock. Give yourself a week of, of fasting from TV or, or fasting from social media or, or whatever it else would be. Take a week and see, do you feel better? Did it help? Did it help in your endurance? You know, there's secret weights that we all have. And we all have them, and we all keep them secret because we think, like, if I don't tell anybody about these issues that I'm dealing with, 
then they won't know. And the truth is this, God, God sees it all. Right? Why, why do we think sometimes that we can hide from God these secret weights, these sins that so easily trip us up? Like God knows, and he's just waiting for you to come and confess it. But like we, we've all got these, these fantasy ideas about what life would be if. And, and we'll, we'll try to focus in on those kind of things. That's why it's called fantasy, right? It doesn't really happen that way. It's not real. But, but we'll, we'll entice ourselves to believe, well, I see what everybody else is doing on Facebook. How come I can't live that way? Right? And, and then we start to trip ourselves up in things like maybe pornography or online gambling or other addictions for alcohol or drugs because we're chasing what other people have, wondering how did they get it? And the truth is this. None of those things are going to give you satisfaction in life. None of those things are going to bring you joy. So, so why hold on to secret weights? Let them go. If you need help, say you need help and let's get help. Well, we're here to help as the body of Christ. But like, don't, don't hold on to secret ways. You know them. I don't know them. But God does. God sees them. And God's saying, now's the time. Lay these things down. If you want to run the race with endurance, lay down the secret weights. And last, I'll put this in the mix. Negativity. Right? Have you ever heard the statement, you are what you eat? Yeah, I, I believe that statement, right? If, if I'm filling my face with, with good food, it's going to help me be strong. If I'm filling myself with junk food, yeah, I'm probably going to start to blow up a little bit. and I won't be so healthy. So we are, what our, we are what we eat. Proverbs says this, there's life and death in the, in the power of the tongue, right? So, so what we find ourselves saying, right, there's life and death in that that I can not only bring to you, I can also bring it to myself, right? What's the confession of my mouth? If we find ourselves speaking just what everybody else in the culture is speaking, that's not really going to help us out. Woe is me, this and that, blah, 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 you know, but, but what about if we start to speak faith? What about if we start to speak the word of God? How will that change things in our lives? So if I continue on in, in Romans 12, I'm just going to take the last part of verse 1 and read 2 and 3. It says, let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. And we do this by how? By keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfect, perfects our faith. Right? This is how. Looking up is God's design for tough times because we've got to keep our eyes on Jesus. That's the only way that we're going to make it through. How do we stay optimistic during the pandemic? Keeping our eyes on him. He's our champion. He's our example. You know, and it says going on that, that Jesus was also our example. It says because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. It wasn't just the shame that he was, he was up there with, with barely clothed. It was the shame that he was being crucified as a sinner, and he was sinless. He was, he was God himself. He was the Lamb of God. And he's up there going, they have no idea. They just have, like, that's shameful, but he endured it. And, and that's the love that God has for me and you. And, and I think sometimes we just forget we forget the power of the cross. We forget how much love he had. That he loved you so much that he would send Jesus to die on the cross for you and for me. That he could have a relationship with us. Sometimes it's just like I'm laying out on, in my pool and I just want to bask in the sunlight of his love, right? And, and I know when, I, when, I, when, I, when the world turns me in a different direction, it's like, no, no, no. I want to just face the sun. I want to receive his love today. And I, and, and I loved Ed's communion last week when he just talked about the sacrifice that Jesus did and, and us examining ourselves and making sure, God, am I, am, I living a life, am I living a life worthy of your calling? 
That's God's love that he has for us. So why are we still weary? You know, I believe a lot of us are weary because the quality of our life will never exceed the quality of our thoughts. See, if I'm focusing on Jesus and I'm focusing on Jesus alone, guess what? He's going to captivate all that I am. And the first way I know if he's captivated is what am I thinking about? Right? If, if I'm thinking about everything that's in the horizontal, that's going to be the quality of my life. I'm going to be up and I'm going to be down because I'm dealing with all the stuff in the horizontal. But if you want to be stable in life, if you want to have your feet planted on the rock, then look up. Because as we look to God's word, as we look to the power of the cross, and that, that's what captivates our thoughts, we're going to find that the quality of our life is just going to improve because now God is starting to lead us by the power of his Holy Spirit. We, we've talked the past couple of weeks about church rising up to be the church. You know how we do that? We do that by looking up. We do that by, by looking to Jesus. And, and the reality of why we get off topic is because I believe we've forgotten about the cross. We've forgotten the power that Jesus did. And we've taken our eyes off of the cross. And, and we can't do that anymore. We've got to put our eyes back on Jesus. So I'm a firm believer that if, if you're walking through a tough time, it's great to look to someone else that has already been through that tough time and say, hey, do you have any advice for me? Right? What, what could help me go through this? Now, as I said before, my, my neighbor put it so best that he's never been through a pandemic before. So like, who do we look to? Well, we can look to people in the word of God that have been through struggles way harder than a pandemic. And, and we can look to them. How did they get through it? So I, I love the apostle Paul because he is so raw and he is so transparent and vulnerable in what he shares here in Romans 7. It says, I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. And I've discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. Anybody relate to this? Like, he's, he's, he's just reading our mail, right? But I love God's law with all my heart. But there's another power within me that's at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that's still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that's dominated by sin and death? You know, and I think some of us, were there. We are those miserable people that Paul is talking about. But, but Paul didn't stay there. See, he, he makes a shift in verse 25. He says, thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law. But because of my sinful nature, I'm a slave to sin. See, Paul was dealing with the struggle that all of us deal with, right? Sin versus righteousness. Sin versus righteousness. And he's like, there is only one answer. Thank God. It's, it's Jesus Christ and what he's done on the cross. And now Paul goes on and he gives this confession in Romans, Romans 8. So there's therefore now no condemnation. See, when you're dealing with sin and you're dealing with righteousness, the spiritual part of the battle that we miss is the enemy comes in whenever we sin and bam, he's right there to condemn us. He's right there to give us shame. He's right there to say, God will never want to take you back. Like, don't even bother forgiving that sin. Like, true Christians don't sin like you just did. And, and that's a lie, right? Paul was one of the best believers, right? A, an author of, of so, many of the new so much of the New Testament. And he dealt with sin. He was real about his sin. And he said, this is what you've got to know. When you sin, the answer is in Jesus Christ. And Jesus doesn't come with condemnation. He comes with forgiveness. He comes with love. So there's no, therefore now no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. 
And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you, freed you, freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. That's the love of Jesus, that his power will come and he'll free us, that we don't have to be a slave to sin. We can be a slave to righteousness. So if I want to use this this definition here, and and I want to go, go on and see, all right, if Paul made this confession, what else did Paul have to say? What else took him through tough times? And I find this, that Paul says, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. Now, how many of you have ever heard this spirit, ever heard this saying that God helps those who help themselves? Anybody ever heard that? Yeah, you know what? The truth is this. God helps those who need help. It's not that, you, it's not that you're even going to help yourself. God helps those who need help. He is there for you. You don't have to pick yourself up by your bootstraps. You just have to cry out to him. You don't have to have the way out and have the plan. You just have to say, Jesus. Just call on the name of Jesus. That's all we need to do. And Paul is saying that he, the Holy Spirit is there to help us. And Paul goes on to say this, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Right? That's the promise that we can all stand on. That if I love God and I'm called according to his purpose, he's going to work everything out. So how do I make sense of this pandemic? How do I make sense of this trial or that trial? Right? How do I have, how do I have faith to believe? How do I have, how do we be optimistic in this time? So I want to take Romans 8.28 and I want to give you a definition of, of what it looks like. Optimism is the unwavering expectation that our loving God is working in every situation so that we would fulfill his purpose. Right? That's what I take out of Romans 8.28. See, and, and so often I get confused because I'm like, God, it's not working out the way I want it to work out. You said you'd work it out for my good. And God is like, yes, I did, for your good. But he knows what's good. Sometimes we don't know what's good. He's working it out for his purpose in our life, not for what we would want necessarily, Right? And, and that's what we miss so often in this scripture. God, you said you work it out for my good and this still, it's, it's awful. And God's like, no, but you don't see what I'm doing in your life. I'm preparing you for something. God never takes us through pain without a purpose. And it's his purpose that he's taken us through the pain for. So how did Paul hold on? Because he knew there was something greater that God was calling him to. He, he put his eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of his faith. He had his eyes on the finished work of the cross. That's what optimism is. So I wanted to get some real-life examples of, all right, during this pandemic, how, how are people dealing with the struggles and the trials that are just unique to this time? And, like, how are they doing and, and, and what's some testimony? So I decided, you know what, easiest thing I can do is I texted all my kids and I said, hey, during this pandemic, and I called out different situations that they've all been that have been unique because of the pandemic. And I said, what is God showing you? So, all right, a little bit of testimony time. And I asked them for permission. They all said it was okay. So my, my daughter, Hannah, recently got married to her husband, Dan. Crazy time for brides to be getting married. I've done a lot of COVID weddings this spring, you know, where people had plans. They had to just shelve all the plans and get married with 10 people. Like, nuts, right, to do that. So I said, Hannah, what did you and Dan learn? And you know what? The good that came out of it is they learned to focus on what really matters. I'm like, what a great lesson, right? To focus on what really matters was one, one thing and not to try to control what they can't control. 
right? That, they only learn that by having to plan a wedding in the middle of a pandemic and having everything up for grabs, right? I was, I was talking to my son Dan and his wife Miranda in Kenya. And I said, what have you learned from this time? They were so much stressed. Were they going to make it home for the wedding? Were they not going to make it home? Like this would have been the first major family event they were not present for. Are they okay with that? Like, you know, Kenya was closed to all airline traffic. Just crazy stress for them to deal with. They did get home, by the way. It was wonderful. They did get back and, and it's all great. So I said, but what did you learn? The experience confirmed for them that what they're doing as missionaries is really what God's called them to do. I'm like, that's tremendous that you could take that out of the midst of a pandemic, right? I was talking to my son David at college. He and his girlfriend attended church a couple of weeks ago, and she sat next to someone that then tested COVID positive. So she gets put in quarantine for 14 days, and he gets put in isolation until she gets a test 10 days later, finally, it took because they, they waited five or six days for her to get tested. And then when she tested negative, he could get out of isolation. I'm like, okay, so what did you learn by essentially being in jail, right? They're, they're not allowed to leave their dorm room, right? Food is just not shoved under the door, but it's left in the hall for them. And they open their door, take the food, and all, their only, their only uh, exercise is walking from their dorm room to the shower for, for his girlfriend that was in quarantine. What did you learn? You know, and I love the honesty because he's like, Dad, the first thing I learned is that I can, I'm really good at having a pity party, <laughs> right? I didn't look to Jesus. I was just pitying myself and just not having any fun. And I'm like, That's, that is the truth, isn't it? Sometimes we just have a pity party. I'm like, okay, so what else did you learn? Well, you know what? So seeing the intentionality of friends coming and and trying to help with this or with that, like they saw the love of Jesus. They saw God drawing them closer. They were able to press into a place that maybe they wouldn't have been able to press into had they had the freedom of of moving moving about. I asked my son-in-law, Josh and and Emily, what what have you guys taken away Josh, from, from this time, he's, he's like so many, not going to work. The office is closed, not going to be open until 2021. In fact, come in, take everything out of your office. It's as if you're retiring. Clean out your desk. Take all the pictures off the wall. We don't want it in here anymore. So, so what does he learn? You know what? It's totally revolutionized his mornings. Now he's able to, to, to wake up with the boys, have a devotional, have a prayer time, because he doesn't have that commute to work. He's, his structure of his day can, can be what he wants it to be. And it's totally revolutionized this morning. It's such a good thing for him. So, so what, is, what is God's purpose that he's taking you through? Why, why are you going through what you're going through? Why, why are you dealing with some of the stuff? Some of you maybe are starting to figure it out, and some of you may still, I don't, I don't understand it yet. But I want to tell you this. Optimum is the unwavering expectation that our loving God is working in every situation so that we would fulfill his purpose. Right? God has a purpose and a plan for all of us. He's working in your life right now for you to... That frustration, it's part of his purpose. That angst, it's part of his purpose. But not that we would just be, be frustrated, but that we would give it to him. See, if you want the power of the Holy Spirit to work in your life, the Holy Spirit's a gentleman. You've got to invite him in. You've got to say, Holy Spirit of God, I'm going to take the angst. I'm going to take the frustration. I'm going to take the pain. I'm going to give it to you. And now, Lord, would you work in my life through this? And you know what? When you cry to Jesus for help, that's a prayer that gets answered. It's, I've seen it over and over and over. And I, as I know many of you have, when we cry out to the Lord, he is there for us. So I ask myself questions. What's going to happen in this election? 
right? When is the end of the pandemic? When are we going to go back to not wearing masks and, and sitting like next to each other in church and, and more rows and more people, right? When is all this going to come to an end? What about the return of the Lord? When is God coming back? I don't know the answer to any of those questions, but I'll tell you this. Here's what gets me through. I'm going to focus on Jesus. I'm not going to get distracted because there's a lot of noise right now in the world. So many different things that can take your eyes off of the throne and put it on situations of this, that, and the other. Right? And, and yes, we need to be aware. We need to vote. We talked about that last week. But we need to keep our eyes on Jesus, number one. Right? And we need, to, we need to come to the Lord every day. Here's what I've taken away from this pandemic. Man, if I'm not in the Word every day, I'm dog meat. Right? It's, it's being in the Word and praying is my lifeline. It's my foundation. And it's got to be that way for all of us. Would you stand with me as we close in prayer? What does it look like for you to be more passionate about your walk with Jesus Christ? Right? What does it look like for you to say, God, there's sin that so easily trips me up, and I want to run this race with endurance, but God, if I'm honest, I'm not running so well. I'm, I'm getting tired. I'm having to stop. I'm out of breath. And God is like, yeah, there's some things in your life. There's some weights. You just need to get those things off, and you need to focus on me. Right? So I'll ask you this morning, what does it look like for you to be more passionate in your walk with Jesus Christ? Are there things that we just need to let go of? Right? Do we need to stop looking in the horizontal and focus more on the vertical? You know, and how we do any of these things is simply coming to Jesus and bowing our knee as we started off the service, right? That every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's an okay prayer to pray every day. God, I give you this day and I bow my knee before you. Lord, I, I thank you that you are my Lord and Savior. And if, if you've made him your Lord and Savior, but now you're walking your own way, then just pray and come back. You know, if, if you've never said to Jesus, Jesus, I surrender my life to you, let today be the day that you surrender your life to Jesus. Because I'm telling you, when you put your eyes on him, you're going to run a race with endurance. You're going to be the person everyone's looking at. What's the strength that he has? What's the strength that she has? It's the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's go to him in prayer today. Father God, I thank you for your word. Lord, and we need you today. God, we need you in our lives. Father, if there's any of us here today in, in this room or watching online and we have not settled who is the Lord and Savior of our life, we, we declare today that Jesus, we want you to be our Lord and Savior. Ask him into your life today. Just say, Jesus, would you be my Lord and Savior? Would you forgive me of my sins? Would you cleanse me from my unrighteousness? God, help me to live for you today. And Lord, as, as we cry out to you, God, we ask forgiveness, Father, for putting our eyes on things of the world and not, not on your kingdom, not on the power of the cross. God, help us to keep our eyes focused on you. Help us to run the race with endurance. And I thank you, Lord, for the power of the Holy Spirit that comes. And I pray now, your spirit fill each one. Lord, give us the power to do what you've called us to do. Give us the power to see the purpose that you've called us to. Lord, even though we're, we might be going through frustrating times, Lord, there's a reason for the pain. It's, the pain has a purpose. It leads us to a purpose. And that's the purpose that you have for our lives. So God, show us what that purpose is, that we would fulfill it. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. Have a great day.